and welcome to the latest episode of Airmic Talks, your fortnightly podcast from the UK's Risk and Insurance Management Association. In recent episodes, we have focused heavily on the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on organizations from a risk and insurance perspective. And if you are new to the podcast, you can always listen back to previous episodes for your podcast app of choice. Just search for Airmic Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But in this episode, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the new chair of Ermic, Tracy Skinner, Group Insurance Director for BT Group PLC. Tracy, welcome to the pod and congratulations on your election. Thank you, Richard. Tracy is a longtime active member of Ermic, has served on the board for several years and is a respected member of the risk and insurance community here in the UK. And I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years now for a mutual interest in captives. But today, I want to talk much more broadly than we probably ever have done before, Tracy. And perhaps we could start with why were you so keen to to play an active role in the association and ultimately become chair of Emic? Yes, thanks, Richard. So I have been involved with Emic for many years on the board. Um, Having taken so much away from Emic, so much useful content and networking and special interest group involvement and all the publications and material and thought leadership that I've taken over, um, you know, most of my career at this side of the fence. I just really felt it was time to give something back and step up to the plate, so to speak, and and act as the chair. It's been, you know, it's going to be an honour to to help steer this organisation and take, you know, the the, the direction um, of the organisation forward for another year. I guess I hadn't quite envisaged the challenge (laughs) face um, when I accepted uh, this by joining the sort of deputy chair environment, which I did three years ago. But uh, having, um, you know, having come to this position very much, um, you know, looking forward to a very challenging year ahead. Yeah, absolutely challenging. And we'll come on to that in a moment. I mean, you mentioned there that you've taken a lot from the association over the years in your memberships. What have been some of the specific benefits and opportunities that Airmic has provided you over the course of your membership? So it has been, you know, a real journey for me. I have really picked up so much information and gained so much by being an Airmic member. Um, as I said earlier, the thought leadership is um, is you know, a massive example of where we can reach out and you know ask for assistance and understand what's going on in the wider world. There's a deep dive into areas of concern. Um, you know, very active at the moment, Airmic are on the COVID-19 and the, you know, looking at any future arrangement for insurance insurance to play a role in providing protection. I think, you know, the special interest groups, Richard, that you and I have worked on around captives, you know, I found that really valuable to understand, Mm. you know, how other people are using captives. Um, At the moment, obviously, a massive opportunity um, for uh, alternative risk transfer. The advocacy around the topics of the future as well is something that I see quite strong within Emic. you know, always very quick at reaching out and expressing views and giving the opinion um, of the organisation, which I think is really helpful. And then finally, it's just a networking. It's just, a, you know, the sheer number of people across all sorts of industries as well as my own that you tend to meet at events online, face to face, if we can ever go there again in the short term, um, just really, really benefit from, from from that you know from that engagement yeah and you mentioned at the top there obviously a, a very turbulent time for many organizations you know emic included we've had to massively change how we operate and i presume that the well we know that the in for risk professionals is certainly pretty full right now 
how useful do you think it is staying connected to industry peers in this environment and how important is it that our, that our members do make time to do that because it obviously is a demanding time on, on all of our members it is and it is difficult it is always difficult to um, to sacrifice the calendar for a networking event but there's never a time Richard when I haven't decided to do it and I've regretted it it's always mm. been um, it's very important at the moment when things are changing so rapidly to really understand what's going on around you, how others are dealing with issues, how the market's responding, and just trying to gauge what the future looks like is very difficult indeed. So the more you have around you to inform you, uh, the more useful that is to you. So each new chair has the chance to choose a a theme and and focus for their one-year tenure. And I understand that you have chosen people risk. It's something that we talked a lot about last year for a people risk paper that Airmic produced, which I recommend readers have a look at. And Tracy and I, you you and I have discussed this over the years through the kind of lens of uh, risk financing. Can you tell us a little bit about people risk and why this theme is particularly important to you and and should be important to our members? Sure. So I think for me, Richard, it's all around looking at people risk in a more holistic way. I think that it has been historically a tendency um, within organisations to almost sort of silo the way they look at people risk. So you might have the risk professionals, you know, concerned with the physical side of things, um, you know, safety, physical harm to employees. And then you have the HR side more focused on, you know, some of the softer side, the well-being and other related uh, issues. So I think for me, if you tend to sort of silo, you don't get the whole picture. And I think there is an opportunity to look at the entire picture. Just take one area, drivers and driver safety and driver training. I mean, in the insurance and risk area, tend to look at things like uh, you know, the motor risk, for example, all around uh, the driver training, which has all been, you know, about the skills of drivers. And, you know, it's almost been an approach that says, you know, if you have more than two accidents in you know, a certain period, for example, you go on a driver training course. And I just really have to question, you know, if I think about my own environment, yeah, mm. if I think about an open reach driver who's basically on and off the road all day versus my own driving experience experience, which can be extremely random as to how long I spend in a driver's seat per month. Yeah. I mean, these guys are really what I would call the professionals. So mm. I'm really challenging if there's any real benefit for them to go through some of this driver training. It just feels like a punishment. It just feels like the wrong sort of thing. So the kind of thing I think you can look at when you are looking at this people risk as, as one thing is how much does employee engagement play a role in whether or not that driver has an accident. And should we Mm. be looking at, you know, we we do, like everyone else, we do surveys every year on employee engagement. Should we be looking at targeting, you know, some employees that may be less engaged as others, as they may well be the ones that may be more at risk of having an accident. So that's just kind of one example where you can, if you like, close the silos and look at the people risk holistically. But more than that, I think there's never been a time such as now, where um, we're all very focused on, you know, the, the, the well-being, the safety, yes, and the well-being um, in terms of the mental health agenda of our people. And let's face it, our staff are 
the greatest assets you know of our organization so you know this is something i think we just need to look at in a different way and if i can drive this forward over the next year it's you know it's going to be very exciting for me to be able to do that absolutely well your are preaching is a converted it's an issue that i i find really interesting i think extremely important and of course those wellness and safety topics that you touched on of uh, of course they're connected as well aren't they because if a, if a driver for example is is well in himself and the organization is able to support his wellness in some way then of course he might be less stressed and, and less stressful people probably make better drivers so it's all connected as you mentioned there tracy now on the insurance side Many of our members will be facing uh, the challenge of a hard insurance market, as we know, combined with the challenges from COVID-19. And of course, we, we only expect that this pandemic and economic crisis will probably impact the, the insurance market and harden it even further. What would be your message to insurers and, and how they can make this environment easier? for our members. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a challenging time for all of us right now. So there's no magic bullet out there. Um, But I think from the insurance market, what concerns me at the moment um, is the sheer time it takes in order to get a significant, you know, a a renewal of a significant size home. Mm. It it really is taking um, a, a lot of time. And I think this is causing our members a lot of stress, okay, because they are concerned that they may not actually get renewal home, which is, you know, a huge risk and worry for an insurance manager. The lateness of premium information and terms and everything coming through, especially if they mean an alteration is required in an organization of any size, that also takes a lot of time to organize and to get sign off for very significant increases is also something which takes time. So the message really is, you know, we all know, you know, why we are where we are, but anything insurers can do to have a more timely delivery of, you know, communication around any changes and timely delivery of, you know, of the terms is going to be, at least it's going to be able to improve our situation a little. Absolutely. I guess for members themselves, we will have many members who are going for a hard market for the first time. Well, we know lots of our friends in the insurance market on the brokers and underwriters side may be going through a hard market for the first time. But what advice would you have for our members? You've obviously been in their shoes for, for a number of years. What advice would you have them for maybe who are going through and experiencing a hard market for the first time? Yeah. So I was actually a broker in the, during the last hard market, <laughs> real hard market. And you know that was quite an experience. It was, you know, you were really in the front line in seeing, um, you know, what was happening. So certainly, you know, my memories of those days and experiences of those days are very, very useful for me now because this is a completely different environment to anything that most of us have operated in for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, Richard. My thoughts are that you've got to start work really early. Yeah. I mean, we have at BTO, I think with our two main programs, our multi-line um, and our directors and officers liability we've almost started renewal as soon as we've completed the last one there is really no gap okay we use you know a couple of weeks reflection and then we're we're pushing on okay so start early gather information and pay really close attention to the information that 
is being asked of you and leave no stone unturned at actually finding uh, the information that's been asked of you. There's a good reason why they ask for the information they ask for. Try to consider where you stand out in terms of uh, your peer group, in terms of what makes you a better risk than the guy next door, so to speak, and make sure that this is communicated very well. Don't always just rely on your own messaging, but get those Mm. around you involved in presenting to the market on Teams and other tools, okay? So your risk management people, your HR people, anything that, you know, anybody that can make a difference to to the presentation can add some color. Yeah, that is going to be really useful for you. Communicate throughout the process with all of your key markets, okay? And I think sometimes sort of market presentations where you're talking to a room of underwriters at the same time, uh, I think they're probably fine in a soft market. I think you may want to sort of ask yourself in a hard market if you would be better in communicating at least to your key markets on a, on a one-to-one basis to allow them to tailor the questions to things that really matter to them. Okay. And then finally, use this as an opportunity to balance your relationships. So you know what risks in your portfolio are running well and are attractive to the market. If you need to consider how you balance those across the insurers that you feel that you know could be useful to you in other areas where perhaps you're not so attractive. Well, Tracy, uh, that's really useful. I'm sure our members, particularly our younger members, will really benefit from from that advice and, and guidance. So I'd just like to thank you for joining us today on, on AMIT Talks and good luck for the year ahead. Okay. Thank you very much, Richard, and thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm.